That's exactly what it wants. Not to mention you'd be giving it a way out of here. A way to spread. It's like a virus. So what do we do with any virus? Quarantine. We isolate it, and then we kill it. Both isolation and death are deserved fates for some films inspired by the works of H.P. Lovecraft. Allow the cast of Cthulhu to be your guide through the world of cinematic Lovecraft inspirations from the superb to the truly cosmically horrific. I'm Jim Rohner. And I'm James McCormick. And today we'll be talking about 2011's The Thing, written by Eric Heisserer and directed by Matthias Van Heinegen Jr. Uh, we did say friend of the show Jerry Smith would be joining us, but for many personal reasons that it is not our liberty to share. Yeah. Um, he will not be joining us, but of course our, our, our thoughts will always go out to Jerry. Great dude. Bad things happen sometimes to good people, and we just hope that he's that everything works out with him. And we hope to get him back on the show sometime in the future. I realized last time I was like, mm-hmm. we have to get him on. We never have before. And then I was digging like, no, he was on for The Mist, like way, way back in the day he yeah. came on. And I completely forgot about that. So my bad. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, we are. So it's just James and I today talking about um, 2011's The Thing. Um, a movie that I was watching for the first time. Had you seen it before, James? I forget. I yeah, I, I saw it in theaters in 2011 sure. because being a big John Carpenter fan and The Things fan, I was like, I gotta see this because and also, you know, reading the comic books that were like sequels in from yeah, Dark Horse yeah. back in the day and mm-hmm. the video game that popped up, I think, in the mid 2000s on PS2 and Xbox, which Carpenter has said is canon, which is. Eh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he says, he says that there's a lot of a lot of fuse boxes to uh, fix in that game, like a hundred of them. Um, so I guess that's canon. But he's a gamer, so I'll give him the credit for that. But uh, yeah, yeah. So I was excited to see it, thinking like, how bad could it be? And at the time, when I first saw it, hated hated it completely. Like, thought it was just like, what the hell is the point of this? Mm-hmm. What's with the CGI shit? Sure. Not knowing all the stuff that the, that the people behind the scenes went through, but what oh, sure. yeah. was just like, wow, this is garbage. This is just a pointless re- requel, prequel, reboot, whatever the hell you want to call it, you know. And again, like we've talked about before about certain films, like do we actually do we actually need an an explanation of the Norwegian base? And at the time, you know, when I heard the story, I was like, oh, that that could be really cool. It could be interesting. It could actually have some new stuff to deal with. And again, what we got was this, and we'll we'll, we'll get into it, but it was almost like a while they had some ideas, and you could tell there was potential, it just becomes a retread of the original. Yeah. Or or the uh-huh. remake, of course. But again, it's the same, almost the same film, beat for beat. Yeah. I remember when it came out for me personally, there was some confusion. Is this a remake? Is this a prequel? Obviously it is supposed to be a prequel. The, uh, what happened at the Norwegian camp and what led to those two Norwegians chasing the dog into yeah. um, the camp that we see at the beginning of the thing in 1982. Um, a little bit of background. If you are not familiar with this movie, haven't seen it, um, just kind of know of the infamy, but it was released in October 14th, 2011. Um, was actually originally supposed to be released in April, but because of um, extensive uh, reshoots demanded by the studio, it was pushed. Um, it currently sits as a 34% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes with a 42% audience score, so not very well received. Um, also, a surprisingly, a 6.2 out of 10 stars on IMDb, but people wow. are weird and forgiving. <laughs> um, it, uh, it made $16 million domestic, $31 million worldwide, um, which is not good. Um, was actually good enough for 
to be placed 130th at the domestic box office for the year of 2011, um, losing out to such atrocious pieces of movies such as The Tourist and Apollo 18, um, but finishing just above Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, which came out November of the previous year. So (laughs) 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 just barely beat a movie that had been out at that point for almost a year. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and this, if you were like me, you had never heard of the name um, Matthias van Heinegen Jr. before. Um, right, was, right. You know, a Norwegian director who I, I believe had done like a lot of shorts and kind of commercial stuff. He is mm-hmm. actually, he was attached, I didn't realize this, to, to make what was at the time supposed to be Zack Snyder's sequel to Dawn of the Dead that he yeah. had turned into Army of the Dead, which is truly a piece of garbage, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> that fell through. And so he was kind of like, hey, you know, what else, what, what else is going on? Like, what can I do? Um, and cause, uh, the thing in alien were his favorite films. So it was kind of like, what's, what can we do? What can we work on here? Especially something attached or, or, or related to the thing. And he said, as a European, he was always curious about what happened at the Norwegian camps. When he heard that they were working on this, he wanted to jump on board. So he did jump on board. He directed it. And there was so much studio interference that he said he lost his passion for filmmaking and retired for almost a decade. Um, wow, so, like, yeah. which is so sad when you think about that. Like, a decade of just like questioning your own self and doubting your talents because of what asshole American producers can do to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. He has returned to filmmaking since, but in Norway, he has vowed to never work with an American studio again, and okay. can't really say we blame him. Um, I got to say, and I, I was trying to keep that in mind as I was watching this movie because mm. I, here's the thing. I, I don't necessarily think it's bad. I no, think it's the, not. I think the bad elements are the CGI replacements for um, mm-hmm. what were supposed to be practical effects and animatronics. And we will talk a little bit about that as we go along. Yeah. Th- those are the quote bad elements, but it's just, you, you can kind of feel that there's a lot of interference here because it's sort of, in my opinion, it sort of it tries to, to sort of be both a that sort of who done it thriller thing that the thing had, but then also kind of wants to be a monster movie as well, mm-hmm. and can't really do either very well. Like the, like there's a whole lot of stuff that's crammed in here, and what ultimately it, it becomes is just an unfortunate kind of beat for beat retread of the original. So it's like. I, yeah. I wouldn't have even minded if this was a film that was trying to do something new and maybe even like, oh, I don't like this direction, but tried to take it in a new direction and just it wasn't that. And I I don't fault um, Van Heinegen for it. It's like it does seem like this is this is just the studio was all like, no, no, we need it to be X, Y and Z plus also ABC and a little bit of one, two and three. And it's like, OK, and then we just kind of get this mess of a boring retread of a movie yeah and and that's and that's the word like when you said it to me and like after i'd watched it again yeah it was it was just boring this time it wasn't like that it was bad it wasn't like oh this movie's the worst no not at all like it's it's a confidently made film and you could tell there's again the potential part but it's just like like again when you when you the problem with this is it's not a remake it's actually a prequel and yet Mm -hmm. it's the same beats and like okay you could say well, because these people don't know how to, mon- you know, this thing is either. And it's like, that's all well and good, but these are, again, different people. So why mm-hmm. would they act almost the same? Why do they also have flamethrowers and, and stuff? You know what I mean? Like, 
like yeah. like things like that. It's like you're 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 in an Antarctic base. You know what what do you have weapons for? You know you when you think about that, it's like it. You know even the original one, they kind of explain it, but it's still kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's just like okay, we got to burn it. Okay, it got away again. Okay, it's it's oh it's you're gonna help me. Cool. Oh wait, you're the thing. Shit, got to kill you now. <laughs> okay, you you know oh 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 you split up into pieces and then like one piece got away. You know, it's like the same things and it's like they could have done so many different things and like that's what like I like I think when we talked about the the John Carpenter thing, I had mentioned that there was a unmade sci-fi miniseries that had so much potential cuz like it was going to be based in like a small town that somehow yeah, yeah. it got to and like which is scarier already. That's horrifying cuz like it could get out and supposedly in this, you know, this like um sequel miniseries, it was gonna have the thing actually figured out how to fuck with the blood test now. Oh yeah, yeah, you did but, mention that. Yep, and, mm-hmm. and that and it's also scary because now it's evolving as it goes along because it's learning quick, quicker than yep. we could ever learn. It's in this, it just seems like, you know, it just wants to try. You know, again, it's almost like the thing is dumb too. <laughs> like, like you know what I mean? Because like, because like in this film, for example, like. When we were as as a as as a um f- you know film goers you know, were watching and I actually forgot a, a few of the who's the thing who's this who's that when they're in the helicopter you know and they're getting and the thing is getting away mm. and you're thinking it's the one Norwegian guy yep yep and it's a clever misdirect it's a good misdirect it's like oh this is but why does he show himself why can't he wait a little bit longer to get away and then like you know what I mean. Why is the thing stupid too? <laughs> like to me, it's like oh, I, I understand it's to it's for plot. It's to you know to keep the movie going. But it's like if the thing was smart, it would just be like I'm cool. Like we've learned that it can stay as a person longer, or or a dog. You know, like why is it like you know stuff like that? Again, that's like I could tell that's like a a beat that the the producers probably put in there to go, oh, well, we need some action and, like, we need a helicopter blowing up so then we can have a misdirect later on uh, with these people. And, and you know what I mean? It's just dumb. And I guess there, there could be an argument that, that could be made of... Yeah, of course. The thing is dumb, but also because it just woke up for the first time, it itself is learning mm-hmm. how to... like Because let, let's assume that it has never You're encountered... Right. bipedal people before so it's like what are these things it's a whole new language it's a whole new like way to move physiology how to communicate so like it's learning that so like that oh okay i I give you that yeah yeah and and that and yeah i mean it's it's a genre it's a horror film so like every few minutes there has to be something like scary or jumping out or that kind of thing like there there are structurally there are beats to a screenplay that i that i understand it's just it doesn't like like I don't know about you, but yeah. when I watch the thing for the first time or, or keep watching it, because you know even even movies you've seen a whole bunch of times, you notice new things, or you come back and, and new questions. Right there, there's there was never been a time when I've come back and be like, you know what, I'm really wondering about X, Y, or Z. Like that doesn't happen for right. the thing, and yet so this movie is trying to answer questions nobody was asking, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that it also like yeah, like like you know. From from like the story point of view, like you know, this this alien's been trapped in the ice for thousands of years. It froze, trying to get out, and it never, probably never encountered this type of freezing. So, 
It yeah. froze, but it stayed alive because it's that powerful. And we we see a glimpse of what it actually looks like. That's mm-hmm. always been the the wonder. If you if you ever see like the original original comic book version of the thing from another world, the if look if, if we should put it up on Twitter. The alien, I gotta find a picture of it. The alien looks like the most ridiculous looking stupid thing ever. It's just it's like, wait, that's that's what you were thinking? It was like a plant with yeah, like three a eyes. Yeah, mm-hmm. with, with three eyes and like a big smile. Like that's not horrifying. Like like at all. This one looks like it does look like a funny enough real what we little briefly see, a Lovecraftian idea of tentacles and yeah, yeah. what the hell does it look like, you know. And I kinda like, you know, you see a glimpse of it, but you don't really see it because to me, that's to me like you don't even know what it looks like because it's probably been going from planet to planet, taking over and like kind of mm-hmm. melding different elements of other species in it. That it'll never be what it was once. Like we, you know, it probably was just like some sort of blob thing, and then slowly <laughs> started getting more like tendrils and learning. Oh, what's the oh, you know, like this alien and this alien and and I kind of like that. But again, it just does the same things with the people. It like splits them in half. And it's, you know, for the gore and for the... But it makes you want to see the practical. Like, because there are practical effects in there. Like, yeah. and then they just put this bad CGI over it, which is such a shame. And it doesn't... It also doesn't really make a whole lot of sense that... So this is the first time it, it encounters people. So it's kind right. of learning. It's it's the process of learning how to imitate them. Because by the time the end comes around and you have um, uh, Joel Edgerton's character, um, yes. Carter... Yes, it's yeah. sort of like that is its most perfect form because it it speaks. Right. it is himself. Like you don't really know until he's on fire that like oh he was the thing the whole well, time because of the, the earring. earring. Yeah, which and, and again that's another great little little thing that she noticed. And even like as a film girl, you're like oh shit okay, I mm. see it I see it now. But it, you're right that was the most perfect form that it, it learned. But then yeah. in theory, the American camp right. Thank you. Later on, it suddenly doesn't know how to be perfect anymore. Like it can't perfectly replicate a person anymore. Like it just that that development of the creature itself. Like that, wait, this doesn't make any sense. But but you know what's funny? I'm thinking about the original, and you know, kind of true. But at the same time, it is smarter when you think about it. The thing is smarter in that film if you compare it to this uh, well, one. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Like like it like. When it does take over, you don't really see at first. Like at first, you're like, because remember, you just see clothes, you yeah, see yeah. like a, a shadow person running by, mm-hmm. and then like really when it gets caught in in that film is like, it's moments where it has no choice. Like so when like I forgot you know the character's name, the one that was from, also from Dune, he's having a heart attack, and mm-hmm. it, you know, and it opens up because the body's died now and it's freaking out, so it has to get out. Then. Yeah. Or the blood test. It freaks out because, like, oh, shit, you yeah. found me. When you think about it, that's really the only times it gets caught. And actually, it's actually more clever now. Like, so I guess if you want to look at it like that, like, well, we have to dumb down this thing because it's like you, like you said, it just woke up and it doesn't yeah. know what it's doing. It's like, wait, what is, what is the, what is this stuff that's inside them? Like, like, what's in the teeth? What is this? Like, metal? Like, ugh, let's get it out of me. Like, yeah. So that makes sense, you know, but, but again, like, it's funny though. It, that's the problem with making a a prequel like 20, 30, 40 years later because even though it's supposed to be in that same time period, we're, as a society and people, like you think they'd be smarter like or I don't know. There's something about it that never works. It, it doesn't work really that well. 
Yeah, and, and there's there are different ways to approach prequels, certainly. And every prequel has this problem when the Hobbit movies come out, when yes, Star yes. Wars episodes one through three come out, big, when big. Yeah. The, the Planet of the Apes movies come out. From Even, even um, I've had this discussion about House of the Dragon. Um, and and there are there are right ways and wrong ways to approach it. I, I think House of the Dragon does it very well in the sense of it takes place further o- enough away from Game mm. of Thrones. Like, okay, so it's, it's answering questions that don't necessarily affect what we have been knowing. It's just a different story in the same universe. Right. I, from what I understand, I never saw... I, I saw the first Planet of the Apes movie. I I thought it was fine, but people apparently love that and think it, it does... The, the new trilogy is really good. It's like, you know, it's like... It's a cool concept of how it be, how the war became and then ultimately they took over. It's it's actually mm-hmm. clever. They're cleverly made. I'll give them that. Like I like I like those films, but I again those are films I watched once each and I liked, but I haven't revisited. So it's like, yeah. but you know, here's another here's a, a good prequel, and it's the same concept as House of the Dragon in video game form. Knights of the Old Republic for Star Wars oh, that sure, takes yeah. thousands of years before. So it's like, yeah, you could come up with anything. And it's and, not going to really hurt the future. And that's know? the thing is that those take place so far yeah. removed from the original that like it, they almost tell their own self-contained story that like, you right. know, then when the original property starts, like we know how the board has been set, but it's mm-hmm. also not playing right into it. Whereas the Star Wars prequels are ba- like, it, it, it answers questions that I think a bunch of us had, but in unsatisfying ways or like, I, yeah. okay, that's like, how he became Darth Vader. That's stupid. Like th- there are, Right in right. wrong ways, and the Hobbit, the Hobbit too, was just like, okay, yeah. you're answering questions we never, we never had, we never cared about, no. and that one too was the thing of like in the Hobbit trilogy it was like, oh, the necromancer, like guys, it's fucking Sauron, like we know who it is, so the right. reveal is not going to be satisfying, and we know his ultimate fate, so there's no stakes to it really. Right, exactly, and like again, we know the fate of these people because it's the middle of the Antarctic, either they're all dying, or one of them, you know what I mean, or they all become the thing, or both. Yeah. Like we know that, and, and we know the thing escapes. That's... Yeah, in, in, but it's just like we don't we don't really have any questions that this movie answers, and the questions it does answer, there's really only two things. Yeah. And it's like what what are the new what's the new information this prequel gives to us? And that's one kind of a blink and you miss it moment. Is like what the thing actually looked like in its original form, mm-hmm. um, if you can stand the somewhat mediocre computer graphics that was yeah. painted over the, the practical effects. Yeah. And two, the new information, which is admittedly interesting that it can't, it can only copy organic material. Right. So like, Oh, let's check people's feelings. The fact that Carter doesn't have his earring and checks the wrong ear. It's like, okay, that that's cool. But like, is that enough to be like, to justify this entire new creation? No. And like, again, the original also kind of had an element of, it didn't like really push the whole inorganic thing, but remember when it like transforms and takes over somebody, the clothes get ripped apart because it doesn't, you know, it's like stuff's ripping out of it. So they did deal with that in a different way. You know what I mean? So we kind of already had that answer. It's just, they kind of extended it like more like, Oh, earrings and like probably like something like a pacemaker or something like that would just pop out. Mm -hmm. It's cool and all, but it's like, is that worthy of like a, a film? There, there is something interesting that could have come out of this. Once again, not necessarily in the sense of, wow, shit, this is awesome that this movie was made. Right. But hearkening back to or referencing back to the studio interference that we talked about, one thing that did seem like it would have been kind of cool that the studio nixed was the original ending. And what, what, what I, oh, what yeah. I 
what I believe the original ending was supposed to be was basically once they discover the ship and the revelation or the discovery that um, the thing similar to actually Prometheus, which we talked about previously, the thing itself was um, just another alien on board an alien spacecraft that had gotten out of its containment unit and the spaceship was crash landed on earth to purposely kind of freeze it to death so that this thing couldn't get out. Um, and so that's kind of cool because then then you you do get the sense of like yes so it's not just the it's it's not the alien ship that's kind of a MacGuffin in a way right um, th- this is kind of a a a, a misdirect and what the real threat is um, and so but the studio felt it was too complex um, because all this information kind of came out in the background like or the background all kind of came out during the climax so it was like you had all this background then you had the final showdown. And the studio felt it was too complex. They didn't think the the pilot creature was scary enough. Um, so okay. they mixed <laughs> that. The backstory was omitted. A, um, a new computer-generated sander thing was added at the last minute. And there's kind of like this Tetris-like effect in the, in the spaceship, yeah. which is that was put over, that was used to cover up something um, to kind of like visually actually cover up the dead alien kind of plot. So instead we just kind of have like, so once again, is that enough of a, a huge question and answer to justify a, a prequel? Not necessarily, but that is an interesting new angle that the studio was like, nope, we're not doing this. Let's just make it, let's just make it a final kind of um, exciting. Like blow up. Showdown and yeah. just like, cool. Okay. So by, by trying to please everybody, you've pleased nobody. Right. I mean, it'd been cool if like, like, what, what, what would make the scene better, though, is Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character saying, well, fuck you, too, and, like, blowing <laughs> But, like, but no, um, see, again, th- that's a cool concept. Like, oh, it was just, like, a creature, like, that this other alien was, like, collecting. Like, it collected a bunch of different... You could have done something cool if, like, Universal was able to do, like, a partnership with Fox or something, and then you have, like, the oh, you see the pilot of the ship, and it's a predator that's dead. And, like, some, like something something stupid like that, but at least it'd be, like... Well, the Predator probably, fo- you know what I mean? Like, you have to think, because have- Predator 2 had that cool scene where you had all the skulls of, like, and the, the alien the alien. Like, yeah. And, of course, as, you know, 13-year-old James sees his, and, like, shits his pants going, oh, my God, there it is. Like, it's we, we're going to see this film one day, and then we did see the film, and that's a whole other story. But, I, you know? I almost wonder if, like, and, and so now I know the thing, when it, the Carpenter's thing when it originally came out flopped. Um, yes. Yeah. Financially, and was, and I, I believe also weirdly was like critically not. Oh, respected. oh, critically it was, it was, it got ra- Ennio Morricone got a Razzie for his yeah. score. That masterpiece of a score got a Razzie. So that's why the Razzies are fucking garbage, yeah. and they should if, be canceled. But, if I recall correctly, Ebert was not a fan, but then later on in life was like, oh no, I was, I was wrong about this one. Yeah, and he, he's um, wrong about something like Dawn of the Dead. He was wrong. The original Dawn of the Dead, he hated, and then yeah. you know what? No, it's, re- it's a masterpiece. But the original thing was kind of in in a stretch of um, a deal. I believe that Carpenter had signed with Universal where like he, he had free reign to do whatever he wanted. Yeah. And all of them did kind of so badly uh, in terms of financially that they're oh, like, you're, yeah. you're not you're not doing this anymore. But he had free reign to do whatever he he wanted. Right. Um, I would have I mean, in 2011, obviously, this would never have happened, especially with an unknown Norwegian filmmaker. Let him do whatever he wanted. I would have even loved to do something like play up that ending or have that as an element in the sense of somehow we have this whole movie in which they are fighting off this alien threat until it's revealed near the end. That's actually not the threat. The thing which has escaped, it's just trying to stop that. And we are accidentally trying to kill this thing when this is actually the whole real big threat. So that way 
by the time yeah. the movie ends, the shape-shifting thing is codified as this is the big threat. So when the dog escapes, it's like, oh, fuck. Right. That, okay. that, that, no, and again, that's actually cool. That's different. That's, that's like, oh, wow. That yeah. could have been like a really bizarre out there. And it, you know what that is? That's um, original. Like actually original. <laughs> and that's the problem. Uh, Hollywood does, you know, I'm not saying all of Hollywood, but Hollywood does not like originality. They like nostalgia. They like the same. Yeah. Because the same is easy to eat. It's easy to feed people. And again, like you said in the notes, the oh, people were confused. I want to know what these test... You know, I've been to test screenings before. And you know what? I agree. People are dumb. But yeah, and so I would, I would be curious to see some of the feedback. Because like we said, originally this was filmed, and this was one of the big draws when I heard that it was coming out, was practical effects. They're harkening back yeah. to Carpenter. They're going to do practical stuff. And yeah, the creature effects... All done by Amalgamated Dynamics, which was headed by Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff Jr. Um, there, there was all creature effects were primarily filmed with cable-operated animatronic robots, and CGI was just kind of added to, right. to kind of supplement it or, or build out stuff that maybe didn't work or didn't look as good. Yeah. Um, but then for some reason, after the test screenings, the studio insisted the animatronics be fully replaced with CGI. So, like underneath all those weird computer-generated monsters, there is the practical stuff, but we just can't see it. Yeah. Um, Give me that filmed, cut. You yeah. know, like is that they, cut of the film anywhere? You know. Yeah, and they filmed an entirely different climax and resolution, and they were doing reshoots up until a week before the film yeah. was released. Um, and that is partially why the film Harbinger Down was created because Alec Gillis was like, "Listen." We can do all these cool fucking practical effects. Like I, I want to, I want to make a movie to do that. So they started. I believe they had a Kickstarter for it to they fund did. it. Um, we will get to that movie at some point on this podcast. It's mm-hmm. from what I recall, not very good plot wise, but really I, fun in terms I, of <laughs> creature effects. I've, I've never seen it, but I mean, if it's if it's if it's close to like the void, then I'll I'll know I'll, we'll have fun with it at least because creature. It, that's all. Plot doesn't have to be the best. If like at least there's something with the creature effects, then you go okay. At least they did that well, you know. I mean, it's got Lance Henriksen, so you're, oh. you're going to get at least one solid performance out of it, basically. There, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, just just imagine just imagine if the direction they had taken with this movie was almost like a haunted house or home invasion with this alien mm. creature. And yeah. you have kind of the sporadic elements here and there of like someone is sabotaging or doing something with it until you realize at the end of like act two, maybe, um, oh, this creature that we're fighting is actually like, he, this thing is not the bad guy. It is trying to kill this other thing, and we have mistakenly thought that it is trying to kill us, us. or we have to kill it. Right. And really, the threat is the shape shifting thing, which has been responsible for all the sabotage, for all this subterfuge. Mm. So then, you know, like I said, so then by the end of it, we know what the real threat is, and we know what it is ultimately going to lead to. Now, I realize from a maybe a PR or studio perspective, it's like, well, if you go to a movie called The Thing, you're going to need to have The Thing. You can't have this separate monster kind of whatever but i i i disagree with that especially considering what what ultimately came out of it well i mean like and that's the thing well the thing that's the thing <laughs> with it like you know we as you know we think it's one thing and it's actually this other thing is the actual shapeshifter mm-hmm. like the creature we keep seeing around like with tendrils and stuff it's not the one that's shapeshifting it's just the creature and we the the shapeshifters using that as a ploy to kind of keep getting into other people and like take over i mean you could have done a lot with that it would have been a cool like you know what you know who who, you know like like almost like a uh you know agatha christie you know like like what's who which one is it 10 little indians you know like kind of idea 
And I, it's weird for me to say this considering how much I was not a fan of it, but there's almost kind of a model for it that came out later with Prometheus where like we thought yeah. it was going to be an alien movie and like yeah, there was an element to that. But for the most part, we were dealing with these other creatures. Um, and, you know, once again, it, it, it was successful. I was not a fan of it, but it's still like you go in there like, oh, this is going to be a movie about where the aliens come from. Like kind of, but instead first we're going to be dealing with the engineers and the mystery behind that. So yeah, just yeah. that thing of like, and I, ugh, I hate that I'm saying this, but even the original Alien versus Predator, um, you you assume the predators are also there to like be bad guys, and it turns like no, we we need to. This is actually fighting like the enemy of the enemy is my friend, sort of a thing. Right, and it's a clever way to do it. It's like because we'll never get a film where it's just predators versus aliens. Like you no. always have to throw the human element in because. I mean, hell, I'd watch a hour and a half film with just predators talking, predators speaking, having a little, little, you know, you know, subtitles, just like, let's go, you know, because that was the original script, like the original. Script oh, really? for, oh, yeah. I, I there's um, there's like um a great book of like 50, 50 greatest movies never made, and like there's like a script like part taken out. It's like a battle between like five predators and and aliens in this like, like almost like a volcano type thing, and like. You get you get the characters, even though none of them talk. Like they just that. And this script is no talking. It's just like grunts and like you know from the story beats. Okay, well, one, I think one was called like one tusk because like he had one tusk and he was well, like sure, and he was the battle hardened like veteran of them, trying to trying to get them to understand like these are not other creatures we've fought before. And but you get that just by like the action. So you could have that kind of film, but again. But look what happened with Prometheus. You know, Prometheus had that idea of like, well, it's kind of an alien film, but not really. And then, oh, the sequel is Alien. Iso- you know what I mean? Yeah. Alien Covenant. You know, it's like Alien. We got to put the alien back because yeah. Alien. You know what I mean? Yeah. Two yeah. questions that I have for you as a viewer and for yeah. uh, listeners as viewers as well. Number one, do we do you care that um, Kate's fate uh, is left ambiguous? Um, cause yeah, I, I, like I, she just kind of, she takes the, the snow cat or whatever you want to call it, like yes. off into the, the snow. And when we assume like, oh, we're, we're going to know entirely what happened to everyone in the Norwegian camp, except our protagonist, our main protagonist, like we have no idea what happened. Does that bother you? Do you not care? I mean, I'll be honest. I don't really care because really when like in the original thing, when they go there, they see elements and they see like the, the you know, two people together, which we get the explanation for the, you know, the two faces melded together, <clears throat> screaming. I don't mind that because it's like the idea was probably like if this film does really well, now we could do a sequel to the thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and she would be the main protagonist, maybe maybe meeting up with a a, a de-aged McCready and Childs. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, we would get something like that. But yeah, I don't mind that at all. That's like to me, that's like. Okay, you put that there just to be ambiguous, and I get because remember the real ending is just oh, there's the big Norwegian guy and there's the dog running away, right? Where, yeah, where, where, uh, like, and like you said, where, where was that dog the whole time? Yeah, that, that, well, that's the second question. Let, let yeah. me let me let me answer my own question here and then get into the the second one. But I it does bother me because I think there's a better way to have taken that. Whereas the ambi- ambig ambi- why can I not say this word all of a sudden? The ambiguous ending. Leave that for 1982's The Thing, the, right. the sequel, right. if you will, um, which is its own form of bleakness. What I would have loved to have seen with this one is 
let's have her sacrifice herself right thinking this is going to solve Stop everything it. and it doesn't and that's yeah. an, that's a different bleak ending even though we know what's going to happen but it still has a conclusion and a resolution for our characters on this right. one where it's like i'm it, it's going to be you know where we're, we're going to sabotage everything i'm going to set it up with like some type of rigged explosions whatever like and this is going to kill it once and for all and it doesn't and right. that even though she would not be around to witness it adds a tragedy to which, that arc to that development. Right, which would actually make it a perfect Lovecraftian film then. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, darkness, darkness. Yeah. That or something like she, you know, she looks at her arm or something and realizes something like is inside her now. Like she realizes, wait a second, I don't even realize that I've, I'm becoming it right now and blows yeah. her brains out or some, something bleak where you're like, oh my God, she, she, she really thinks she stopped it. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. she's the hero and like, no, it doesn't matter what you did. It still mm-hmm. found a, it still found a way to get away. Yeah, because the, the ambiguity is we've yeah. seen it before and done better. And then, yeah, and then my second question, and this may just be because I've got a baby, wasn't paying full attention. Where did the dog come from? Like no, the dog I, that, that, that is then the dog that leads us into the 82 one. Where did that dog come from? It, I don't know, because it came from underneath like the, the where they were. But like, I don't know. Like, like I, I guess it's supposed to be because the first thing which is taken in this movie is the dog. Right. So I guess it's supposed to be that dog from the beginning. So it's just, it's been hanging around as a dog for the entire movie. Like I, I don't. Right. Like part of, part of it's been the dog the whole time and just hiding. Yeah. It, it's like, it, it is one of those, this is one of the, the negative aspects of we need to answer these questions for prequels. Like, well, we know that it's a dog eventually. So how do we shoehorn that dog in here? And I don't think it's done in a satisfying way. Again, unless I no. missed something. No, I mean, I mean, I'm trying to think back and like when it became the dog in the beginning, didn't we like see like like the one dog dead or something? I, I, I thought so. Right, because then they no, then they say, oh, that's I don't know what the character's name. Like Hans's dog is. Oh my god, what's he gonna think? I think like you see it dead, like or like ripped apart. So mm. I guess, I mean, I guess unless it's the idea of like it ripped it apart and then became a perfect copy of it on the side and mm-hmm. hide and hiding and waiting because like maybe ultimately it, it shows that the thing is not as dumb as we think like it actually is plotting the whole time like wait if i can't get get all these people i'm still gonna get away like but again it's just like you said it's just to to give the explanation of the beginning of the original yeah, and I, I, I think it just would have been made more sense if it's like the dog is not the first thing to die. Right. The dog right. is left alone for most of the movie until like as a last ditch effort, the thing is like I have to copy this thing to get out because right. of what I've been trying with these people. Let me try something simpler instead and something less assuming. Right. And and actually that would make more sense. Like the whole time it's trying to replicate all these higher beings yeah, yeah, yeah. of human, and then ultimately we forget about the dog. Yeah. And then when it escapes, the you know what whatever his name was that knows that like something's up because he's been locked away knows. Wait, it's the dog. Yeah, <laughs> and he seems like a crazy person, but it's like no, it's the dog. We gotta go. And because even having you know make that dog a character where like it, it comes in and saves the day at one point, fights right. off, scares the creature. So it's like oh, okay, so we know this dog is a thing, and we know that it sees it as a threat and something that has to be copied. Yeah, you know what? Um, that that would have been the most that, that would have been the best way to do it. Yeah, it like fights it off at one point, protects somebody, and for all we know, it's 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 the regular dog, or it's actually 
playing it, playing the part of a dog. You know yeah. what I mean? Because even then, even then, it puts it in your mind that like, oh, shit, <laughs> the dog sees this thing as a threat, which is why it makes sense that the dogs are the first thing it kills when it gets into into their camp. Exactly. You know? It's like I got to kill all these other dogs because it's a threat. <laughs> it mm-hmm. fucked me yeah. up the last time, not this time. Yeah. I um, mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, that could that, that would have not that it would have made the film like great, but it would have been like. Oh, that was a clever way to get about this this version. You know, have, why it would become the dog last? Yeah, ma- makes makes it more of a puzzle piece instead of an overlap. Right. Basically, like it, it's yeah, yeah it, it's just a. But um, yeah. my my only my only final comment is, and and this is no fault of Eric Christian Olsen. Um, he oh. he does the best he can. Yeah. I, I I can't see him as anything other than Vaughn with the tiny nipples from Community. <laughs> So. The only thing I see him as is uh, the uh, fake Lloyd Christmas in the prequel, <laughs> Dumb and right. Dumber or whatever the hell Dumb, it is. Yeah, when Harry met oh, Lloyd. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Like you know, he oh, does his yeah. best, but again, his character is just there to like get Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and then he's like kind of a prick to her. Like, oh, I don't know what I saw. Like, okay, now you're a dick. Like, you're 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 Sanders lapdog. Okay, we see what you are. Yeah, I mean, he, he does have one of the more emotionally devastating lines when he says, like, oh, so yeah. I'm going to get killed because I floss. It's like, ugh, yeah, there's no way that he can prove that he is himself no. if it's the fillings that we're looking for. Which is kind of funny, actually. It's like, oh, man, you got bad teeth. Sorry, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's a, and it, 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 it's kind of useless relitigating this because, yeah. listen, these are, I'm sure everyone feels the same way. And these are all criticisms against the studio and the movie tanked. And I mean, good for that because it, it hopefully is a smack on the nose of the studio for the newspaper, but bad that then the director is like, fuck, I'm not doing this again for a while. Fuck you guys. And it makes sense. No, no, and it's sad because like, you know, that, and that happens so often where, you get like look at like Paul Verhoeven. You know he had a good run in America, and then ultimately it just wore thin on him. That I gotta leave. I have to leave because I gotta make my films back in my home country. Because yep. it's now that now they're screwing me. Because now I'm not making money for them anymore. And it's again that's that's the thing. But it's funny because like the the writer of this Eric Heiserer, Heiserer mm-hmm. he also did um, Arrival. He's one of the writers on Arrival, yeah. yeah. You, know, you, know, did, you know, he did some decent stuff. Well, Bird Box, uh, I don't know. I, oh, I, yeah, well, yeah. no, that's not good. Don't get me but, started on that movie. Yeah, no, let's, let's, let's go away from that. So, But he, but he, the guy's had a career afterward. He's actually, you yeah. know, that other film, Hours, which, I don't know, another... Yeah, listen. Whatever. Got to make a list. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's that's that are, that's our thoughts on uh, the thing, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Get in touch with us if you want to agree, disagree, whatever. Just where we're always reachable. Movies of Madness at gmail.com to email us. Um, we don't have a Facebook uh, page anymore. I officially deleted it um, hey. because we, we didn't, we never used it. Um, but we are still on Twitter. Uh, Cast Cthulhu for the both of us. Wonka kills kids for James. Nolan fixes teeth for me. Um, catch up on our back episodes at castacthulhu.podbean.com or on battleshippretention.com as well. We can also leave comments. Um, this will be the time where I say, like, hey, here's what's coming up next. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, going to be taking a break uh, in June. Just, um, I, you know, a few life changes for me. My, We are moving into a, a new apartment. My son is starting daycare. So a lot of big life changes. Probably mm-hmm. won't really have the time to, like, sit down and watch a movie, take notes, record, edit, do all that kind of stuff. So we're going to be taking a little bit of a break um, for June. Apologies. I, I know we, we seem to take hiatuses all the time now, and it's always uh, because of me. No, but, um, stop, stop. it's not. Sometimes we just need a break and like kind of recharge too. Like yeah. it's also like because sometimes it's hard to find 
these Lovecraftian or or adaptations. It, it's hard. Yeah, you know? but I, I I do I do want to get it on record. I think when we come back, we should probably do Harbinger Down. Yeah, Harbinger Down, and then like I know we have maybe someone that might come on to do another um, anthology film. That's all I'll say. So okay, you heard it yeah, here first. Mick yeah. Garris is coming on to talk Necronomicon. Hey, you know if Mick Garris. Hey, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I love um, I, he, him. I could listen to him talk all the time. So even yeah, though, his his, you know, his postmortem podcast is oh, is good if if you're into horror. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, uh, but yeah, so taking a little bit of a break, uh, we'll still be kind of active doing stuff. Me, me maybe not as much just cause yeah. Um, I, I haven't moved since 2018, 19 actually, but it's, it's just, it's a little, it's, a, it's, always, like, it's always hard. Yeah. Yeah. More, I'm already stressed and exhausted by it, but that is neither here nor there. Um, so thank you everybody for listening. Um, yeah, like I said, hiatus for June, be sure to tune in next time where we'll be probably talking about Harbinger down in July. In the meantime, we'll be waiting and dreaming with dead Cthulhu in his house in Relia. <laughs>